I don't, I don't know. I'm feeling that it could be shouting time right now. Woo! Praise you, Lord. <laughs> we, uh, we have met you, Lord, and we have encountered you in our lives, and you have been our provider, our peace, our joy, our strength, our hope, our rescuer, our savior, our redeemer, our friend. You are, you are. And I, I love that about the body of Christ, that we come together and we celebrate Jesus and together in a covenant community of faith, we are just amazed by the goodness of God. And when we sing those words or hear those words, I don't sing the word and think, oh, wow, Sharon is really rocking it today. I think the, I sing the words and think, oh, God, you have been my provision. Oh, Lord, you have been my peace in the midst of utter turmoil. Oh, God. I just, I personally just want to build an altar and worship for a bit at the goodness of who he is and what he has done for us and just return back to who he is. For he is enough. I would pray this for us this morning and I'm going to stick closely to my notes because A, I know what time it is, which is typically and relatively irrelevant most of the time anyway. It was, that was a jab at humor at myself, and you didn't get it. But um, I also am just really so full of experiences, and I, I want us to walk away with maybe a, a, a simple thought, and, um, and maybe some of the experiences will thread through those thoughts from the past week, but a simple thought of, of why that song was so important, and why our God is so important, and why we live in an inverted kingdom, a kingdom where we say things that are un- nonsensical, like, Lord, it's maybe Jesus says things to us that you, you have to die to live, Mark. When you die to yourself and you come alive to who I am, you sing songs of glory and it's nonsensical in this world. But in the heavenly realms, it is earth shattering and life changing and heaven rejoicing. You've got to empty to be filled and you lose to gain. And I, I just have um, a single thread of thought that hopefully will weave through a few minutes this morning. We're not pursuing a future that we can save of our own. But here's what God does for us in this inverted kingdom of his. He is creating a different, holy, and complete future by his hand. And I hope that that will be more powerful for you in about 20 minutes than it is right now. That we're not saying, God, I want you to do better with my future. But we are saying in this moment, our obedience in your inverted kingdom will compel you to, God, you will create an entirely new and glorious and Jesus honoring and glorifying future. I don't want my better. I want your glory. And that's my prayer for us in this inverted kingdom to be able to say, Lord, teach us. And I want to, and Brandon, you're going to probably have to follow me a little bit. And I apologize to you right now, but I want to read to you Hebrews, the 13th chapter, verses 20 and 21. It's kind of some, some concrete verses for, for this day. And for us to just say um, to the Lord, we long to live in an inverted kingdom. An in- inverted kingdom is just upside down. It makes no sense in this world. It's really reversing the order of things. And if we, if you have followed along the last few weeks, we probably, no, no, we should not make sense on this earth to those who don't know Jesus. 
Because we live for a radically different reality and the bedrock of where we've been for the last few weeks is that we're not only live for that, we're immediately obedient to a radically inverted reality. And if we could nail this down that we won't make sense here, then that would liberate us. And so Paul began to just, or the book of Hebrews began to just write these words. Now may the God of peace, Hebrews 13 verse 20, may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, may he being that God equip you with everything good to do his will. Working in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom is given the glory forever and forever. Amen. And he comes out of this. He's kind of ending with some salutations to the body of believers, particularly to the church of Israel, to the Jewish people. And he's writing to them and he is just saying crazy things to them. Don't be led astray by teachings. Do not allow your your heart to be led astray. Establish who you are in the grace and goodness of God, not by rules, not by regulations. Know that the heart of who you are, That the God of peace that moves through you is not by animal sacrifice or some other outside act. It is through the cross and the power and the beauty and the wonder of Jesus Christ, who in that cross set this glorious future for you. He didn't come to restore or redeem your own personal future. He came through the cross to utterly and completely create a new future for you. It's powerful, but he says this, let us go here. Therefore, Jesus suffered outside the gate. This is all in Hebrews 13, leaning up, so that he could sanctify the people by his blood. And so here's the call to action on our part. Let us then go outside the camp. And that's why it's pretty normal in this church for our conversations to be this. We meet a Jesus who went outside the gate and was suffering disgrace on our behalf so that we could be given, created for, we could be blessed with an entirely new future in him through his cross, by his blood, and for his glory. So therefore, you and I, we should also go outside the camp. Outside the camp involves your home, your neighborhood, your work environment, and Haiti. We should walk out. In fact, this should be the cry of our hearts this morning is, Oh God, I know who you are. And I have been singing this song with all of my heart. It is well with my soul. And may I speak that wellness into a world that is not well. I am marching outside the camp for the sake of your glory because your kingdom is glorious. And so it's the beautiful reality. And he says, if you're going to do this, you're going to offer a sacrifice of praise. It will be the fruit of your lips and there will be a confession in this room of the name of Jesus. There will just be this outcry among us within our hearts, through our souls, and very often outside of our lips, just Jesus. When someone favors us from another country with our home, we don't walk around and go, I don't like the color of the walls or I think this is pretty cool. We just fall on our knees and begin to cry out, Merci, Jay-Z! What's, 
I'm, this is where I'm straight. I got to get back to notes. This, what's going on in your life that God has done that just compels you because you live in an upside down kingdom where you fall on your knees? I mean, did I just read that he went outside the camp, stretched his arms out by his stripes? You and I were healed. We were given an entirely new future. And what should happen within us is that we fall on our knees and we start crying out. And probably the video would carry on for a while. Merci, Jay-Z, for the goodness of who you are. I cry, holy you. I cry, God, your name. I cry for your glory. It would not make sense to most on the streets driving by. It would be very common among the faith family. God, who you are, just moves me. And so we come in and we live out verses like Matthew 16, 25. If we're going to lose to gain and empty to be filled, we're not going to save our life. We will lose it. For whoever loses his life because of me being Jesus will find it. Or John 12, verse 25 says, The one who loses his life, the one who loves his life will lose it. But the one who despises this earth but lives for a heavenly kingdom, he will gain an eternal realm. There is freedom in that. There is revival in that among us. There's redemption of the king of glory. There's almost like this whispering in our soul. There's almost like this movement among us where Jesus is saying, as he said to the disciples when they were confused and trying to make sense on this earth, here's what I want you to know. I'm the way. I'm truth. And I'm life. And some of the things that I speak in this earth will make sense, but don't Forget, disciples, that I live in an inverted kingdom and I live for very radically different things. So go in the name of the God of peace who brought you up from the dead. His name is Jesus. He's the shepherd. He will guide you. And it is a guidance through the blood of the everlasting covenant. And he will call you to live in an inverted kingdom. And in calling you, he will equip you with every good work. And he will compel you out to live for the sake of his name. And he will call you outside of the camp. And you will find in every good work of his that it is pleasing in his sight. And you will begin to be shouts within of the glory of God and to the praise of the Father. Amen. Church, I just reread Hebrews 13 again. We just begin to say, Lord, how does this happen among us? Jesus prayed for us that we would live on this world in a manner that is inside his camp and outside the camp in an inverted kingdom. That we would live his mission, that we would glorify him, that we would obey his voice, that we would follow his word, that we would serve well. And he almost said this in his prayer in John seventeen thirteen that there would be a joy that is abundant among us. A joy in the face of heartache as a family on the third row sits dealing with death this week and yet an abounding joy of the hope of the resurrection. A joy that rises up in the midst of the most challenging times of life. And he says, I speak these things in the world so that my joy will be complete in them. I was walking with, our team was walking with Papa Mike, Mike Snyder, um, on top of the mountain. And he just told the story of joy in this earth. And he said, um, and I can't do justice to the way Mike shared it, but he said, I was standing with a, a couple and he pointed from the Tenwa, which is the top of the mountain. And, and I haven't even mentioned this, that we were able to visit at the top of the mountain, the church, that this church came together that did not exist in a physical manner last year. It existed in spirit. But we stood and looked at that church and we were standing beside that physical building with many tears flowing for those of us that were there last year. And Mike began to tell a story of one of the members of the church. And he said, I was talking to him after we celebrated their anniversary. And I was just sitting with him and talking. And he said, Papa Mike, 
my life is so good in the Lord. He said he pointed out to one side and he said, I have my watermelons. He pointed out to the other side of his crop and he said, I don't, Mike said, I don't remember, but he said, I have my beans. He said, I, I have my wife. And he looked with tear running down his face saying, Mike, isn't God good? I'm filled with joy. And Mike said, we were standing and he was leaning in the doorframe of a lean-to shack filled with joy and looking at me and saying, in this inverted kingdom, I am content and it is well with my soul. I need for nothing but Jesus. And Mike, isn't God good? In this inverted kingdom, have you found satisfaction in Jesus? and determined as you lean against the wall of your own lean-to, whatever that may look like, and your own suffering, whatever that may look like, that God in the midst is faithful and true and good. That's my prayer of obedience as we walk this out. I wrote another note to myself that Jesus just in this, he changes everything. I went to bed one night and woke up the next listening to a group of impoverished orphans crying out with everything. I was about to bust out singing it into the mic and that would have been super awesome. But they're like, I won't do it. Like if I, okay, I don't want to sing. But it's like, oh, 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 and it rose and rose. and It's coming from downstairs. And it's a bunch of orphans singing with everything. With everything, you are sufficient, Lord. And I thought, oh God, that I could have that heart to be satisfied in you and to find that you're enough. And I could sing that song among this faith family. And I could sing that song among my family in very practical ways of just saying, God, you are sufficient and he is everything. I, there was a sweet, precious girl named Katie Davis that wrote a book about eight years ago or ten years ago. And um, I can't remember the name of it. I'm terrible at book titles. Kisses from Katie, which would be a really good name of the book. And she was a 19 or 20 year old at that point, just a beautiful kid, just passionate for the things of God. And here's what she wrote in her book. She wrote this, this idea that Jesus is everything. Most of us live thinking that if we're going to be obedient, we're going to live in this eternal kingdom, that there's a medium. I started learning and realized very quickly that I have a lot to learn. And in fact, if you were in Bible study this this morning, I think that we can look at it even this way. I have a lot that I can learn from a 12-year-old because I picked up a lot of baggage on my way to 50. And I have a lot to learn from a young lady who says, there's not a medium. This is a place where, where we can live regular lives and think this God too. And she said, I don't know where anybody got that idea. There's no medium in the kingdom of Jesus. In this inverted kingdom, there is everything or nothing. God, you have all of who I am. C.S. Lewis, if you want a more scholarly quote, Christianity is a statement of which is false. If false, is of no importance. And if true, it is of infinite importance. It's everything. The one thing that it cannot be is moderately important in this room. 
And so if we're going to walk about and say, Lord, we live in an inverted kingdom. We want to be nonsensical in this world. The only choice that we have, we don't have in this room is for it to be medium, bland, mediocre. It is a passionate calling from the heart of God. If God is real, the cross is true, and Jesus is raised from the dead, and we enter the Easter season as a church next week, we're in the heart of it as the overall church. If all of that is true, then there is no medium. Paul said it this way. My goal is to know him, Philippians 3.10. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to step in the middle of his suffering. I, am, I like the part that I love Jesus and I want to know him and I want to know him by experience. And then I start kind of screeching at that. I want to step into the suffering. I want to step and bear and understand his cross and bear that up in my soul. I want to walk about this earth knowing Jesus. And I want, if by the grace of God, to experience the joy of eternal rest in him. And that will make sense in the kingdom of Jesus and very little in this world. Those of us who know Jesus live very differently. There's a single sentence that I just wrote in the beginning and just in my heart. God didn't come to give us a better future. He came to create an entirely new one. I close with two stories. I believe with all of my heart that for us to wrap our hearts and minds around this would truly be compelling, transformative, and I believe it would change the world around us for the glory of God. I, I think that there would be mountains that have drums beating right now of the antithesis of Jesus that four years from now, should we adopt this idea that, Lord, to die is to gain, to empty is to be filled, to live is to lay aside my priorities for yours. Lord, I want a future. I, I, be, I believe with all of my heart that if we would love Jesus with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength, that there would be mountaintops around us that now beat drums of lostness that would begin to become holy places. I didn't get the reaction that I wanted, but I'm just, I'm, I, I want you to have that perception of God that as a result of our living on this earth in an inverted manner, there will be a more glorious future. For the sake of the kingdom of Christ. No one personifies this more than Rahab. You want to talk about a radically oriented, changing um, future. Uh, she lived in Jericho at the time. She was written about in the book of Joshua. Jericho was going to fall in the hands of God's people. Rahab is described aptly in the scripture as a prostitute. It says of her, the totality of her life experience is in that word. And if you've ever had a life described as a prostitute, I'm not even sure that life fits in that description of her. Maybe existence, maybe torment, maybe punishment, maybe slavery fits. But in a single moment, her life changed because of a step of obedience. She heard the word of God in Israel, of Israel. She was convinced, this is in Joshua 2.11, this is a description of her. She was convinced. The word is convicted. It was in the core of her soul, in the midst of her poverty, that she was convicted that the Lord, your God, O Israel, is the God in heaven, and he is on earth below. And based on that conviction, she welcomed those spies into her home and said, come in. 
They agreed, they instructed her, they invited her family, and I began to wrestle with this idea, and by no means do I think I'm right. I think there was some level of biological family, but what in the world? Who is the family of a prostitute? She's looking and saying, I want to protect my family. And what she didn't understand is that in the reality of the kingdom of Christ, and you'll gain the power of obedience in just a moment, in the family of Christ, he wasn't coming and making this future better. He was coming to create an entirely new future for her where the drums that beat on the mountain of her life would be the drums of the Son of God, the King of Glory. It is a powerful moment for her. And we didn't find, again, a future saved. We found a future created by the hand of God. She found more than protection as this story played out among the people of God. She found an entirely new family. May you find a family in this room. The people of God who were pounding the drum of the Son of God. Here's her story. It's pretty powerful. If you were here in group two weeks ago, her story was beautiful in the first chapter of the book of Matthew. We find as we open her entirely new future that she married an Israelite named Salmon, whose son was Boaz, the husband of Ruth, whose son was Obed, whose son was Jesse, whose son was David, the king of Israel, If you follow the lineage of the bloodline of Rahab, who used to be the harlot, but who has had everything changed, not a better future, but an entirely new family and future through the Son of God, through the King of glory. You find in her future the very blood and lineage of the Messiah, who likewise steps into this room and says, I'm not trying to brighten your day a little bit. I would like to create an entirely new future for you. And I would love the lineage of that to carry on forever and forever. Amen. And I'm praying for us that we find not a future saved, but in this room we find a future created by the hand of God for the glory of God. Hebrews 13 says, May the God of peace who brought Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. May that Father equip you in your obedience to be about everything that is good, be about His will, to work out within us what is pleasing in His sight so that glorious futures could be created by His hand and for His glory. It said of Moses, and I close with a story. I will be with you in Exodus 3.12. It will be a sign to you that I am the one who sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will stand on a mountaintop and you will rejoice. I fully believe in a very personal way that God has stepped into your life. Most of us in this room are in Jesus And he has brought us, I I, I don't believe this, doesn't matter what I believe, he has done that for the sake of his name and the glory of his kingdom so that we would stand on future mountains and worship him. So I believe that he has freed you so that you could lift holy hands and have knees that are upon the ground crying out of his name and his glory. I believe that with all of who I am. 
And I believe further with all of who I am that He has also not only come to set you free, but He has come to set captives free. And in so doing, by His grace and through His goodness, to use you and me in the proclamation of that freedom. It was one thing two weeks ago to tell a story of a precious girl that has moved in. It's a whole other thing to understand the scars of Jesus and to understand how His stripes heal. I met this little girl this week, as did our team. I sincerely doubt that I will make my way through this story without an utter and complete breakdown. Her name is Delindy, and I say her wrong, her name wrong every time, so correct me if I just said it wrong, team. Oh, that is so awesome. First time. I have Dalindine in my head, and I, Delindy, she's beautiful. I listened to this story of Mike, and I thought, God. As Papa Mike shared her story with us, I thought, God, 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 you are doing this around us all the time. Delindy was a rest of it, meaning that she was enslaved by a family. That's enough to shred my heart until I meet her and hold her. And the scars that are born on her legs and her arms, her front teeth missing because she has had them knocked out. The rescue of this beautiful girl, and this is what This is what Mama Bonnie said to us this week. She said, she is beginning after six months here to speak the name of Jesus. The name of rescuer. The name of hope. I love what Mike did with us because all of us are very moved. You would be very moved. Any one of us in this room, you would either be very moved or I would pray that your callous heart would be shredded by Jesus this morning. Because if you're not moved, I don't know that you know Jesus. It's powerful to hold a child who has been rescued out of literal poverty, slavery, and abuse. Mike Mike is so gracious to us because he will light us up, and yet we don't know he's lighting us up. This is Mike Snyder, who's the missionary there. He just kindly and gently says, I know that your group is moved by Delindy. I know that you are moved by what has happened with her. But I want to tell you, that you are surrounded in Jacksonville by people just like her who bear scars. And God has called you not just to hold her and to help us heal her wounds, but he has called you to open your eyes of your heart to the reality and truth of who surrounds you and why you're here. For by his stripes, we have been healed. And in his stripes, we step into a hurting and broken world with an inverted message of the goodness of Jesus. There's hope, there's healing. And one day, one day, Delindy, one day, the hundreds that surround us, one day, the perimeter of this church within three miles, one day, we will stand on the mountain and rather than a bum, a drum of hopelessness, confusion and brokenness and slavery, there will be a drum of freedom and Jesus and hope and power and resurrection. As Ryan and the group comes to lead us in such a powerful, powerful song to close this service, they come to lead us in a song that has 
torn my heart for the last year. And the song says, God, we are no longer slaves. We are no longer in bondage. We are no longer held together by the things of this earth. Lord, we are free in you. I am praying not, church, that Mandarin Baptists or those who make up this church have a brighter future or a new day. I am praying that we allow the Holy Spirit of God to create an entirely new story in this place. Not a better us. Not a better version. But a people who are broken before the Lord. Who live in an inverted kingdom. Who are saying, we don't want our better story. We want you, Lord. That would be inverted. That would be a dying to self. An empty to be filled. A hope abounding. It would be a place that would look forward in the days ahead to standing on top of mountains of brokenness and worshiping at the faithfulness of God as we shout hallelujahs across the top of that mountain and the valleys below. So as we sing a closing song, some of our pastors will be here at front, Cecil Siegel, Matt, Dr. Dan, myself. If you would like to pray with someone, we would love to share with you how you don't gain a better story, but you gain Jesus, an extraordinarily new future. Perhaps some of you just want to come to an altar and say, Lord, I don't want to believe in me again. I want to be shredded of that and hope in you today. Write a new story. I have no doubt that this room is desperately in need of altars across this place. Will we build them? This altar is open. Prayer is open. A song that is fitting is to be lifted to the king. Pastors are here at the front. My question would be, what will you do with your Jesus today?